I'm Cindy Lauper. My psoriasis was all over, even on my scalp, which may mean four times the risk for psoriatic arthritis. But Cosentix works on both. Cosentix secukinumab is prescribed for adults with moderate to severe plaque psoriasis 300 milligram dose and adults with active psoriatic arthritis 150 milligram dose. Don't use if you're allergic to Cosentix. Before starting, get checked for TB. Serious allergic reactions, severe skin reactions that look like eczema, and an increased risk of infections, some fatal, have occurred. Cosentix may lower ability to fight infections, so tell your doctor if you have an infection or symptoms like fevers, sweats, chills, muscle aches, or cough, had a vaccine or plan to, or if IBD symptoms develop or worsen. Learn more at Cosentix.com or one 844-COSENTIX. Ask your doctor about Cosentix. Addie. Hey, did you know there's a little pink pill? Wait, a what? A little pink pill? Did you say a little pink pill? Yes, the little pink pill. You definitely need to know about this. Are you for real? Just to be clear, you're telling me there's a little pink pill for me? That's right. The little pink pill. And it's called Addie. A-D-D-Y-I. Or Flibanserin. Learn more about the little pink pill at A-D-D-Y-I.com. See full prescribing information and medication guide, including boxed warning regarding severe low blood pressure and fainting in certain settings at addy.com slash PI or call 844-PINK-PILL. Good news, ladies. There's more. Addy, the FDA-approved little pink pill, is also affordable and can be shipped directly to your front door. That's right. With insurance coverage, Addy is only $20 per month and $0 after month three. If your insurance doesn't cover Addy, there is still a discount program to get you the best possible price and get free shipping right to your door. So now's the time to ask your doctor about Addy. Learn more at Addy.com. That's A-D-D-Y-I.com. The content of Dark Arenas includes topics and subject matter that may not be suitable for all audiences. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are solely those of the individuals participating in the podcast and do not represent those of AudioChuck or its employees. Information discussed by the host and interviewees includes content related to crimes against children, abuse, acts of terrorism, and violence. Listener discretion is advised. Driving is something many of us have been doing for years, maybe even decades. It's motor memory. Turn the key, put it in gear, check your mirrors, reverse, pull forward. It's all very autopilot at this point. But imagine for a moment that you weren't just driving around yourself or even your kids or friends. Imagine you were chauffeuring the President of the United States, the leader of the free world. Talk about pressure. It's like the ultimate driver's skill test every day all over the world. In today's episode of Dark Arenas, we're going behind the veil into the world of what it's like to work protective detail for the President of the United States, which includes driving the presidential limousine whenever and wherever you're called. It was a hot morning in Baltimore, Maryland, as I walked the two blocks from my hotel to a federal courthouse in the heart of downtown. The government buildings towered above me like massive gray swords sticking right out of the ground. So 
sirens didn't stop wailing in the distance, indicating that city life problems were already bustling by nine in the morning. There were also a lot of transient people and uniformed police officers that I saw idling around the intersections, like surprisingly a lot of cops. I got the distinct feeling that downtown might not be the best place to be walking alone, even on a Monday morning. I made my journey quick, and before I knew it, I'd passed through two layers of glass doors into the lobby of the federal courthouse. Three elderly men in matching Navy sports coats met me next to metal detectors and foldable tables. All of the men weren't a day younger than 65, I'd say. Grandpa types, for sure. And they seemed to take a lot of pride asking me who I was there to visit and if I had proper identification. They took my recording equipment and laptop and guided me through the metal detectors. No threat detected. I was sent six floors up to the office of the United States Marshals. That's where Chief Deputy Sean Wolkoff, my interview, was waiting for me. Sean is a former United States Secret Service agent who protected President George W. Bush, 43, and President Barack Obama from 2000 to 2010. Sean went to the Marshals Force after he left the Secret Service. At the time of this episode's release, Sean is now retired from the Marshals Service and works in the state of Maryland's judicial system. Before we got started with our interview, though, Sean walked me to his boss's office, the federally appointed Marshal himself. For 10 minutes, the group of us chatted about my work as a journalist and Sean's career. At one point, the tone changed in the room, and the marshal mentioned that he was glad Sean was doing the interview that day because he was tied up with the city of Baltimore. He said more than a dozen shootings had occurred in the city just that morning, and he'd been called into an emergency meeting with Baltimore's mayor and police chief about the rash of recent gun violence. That explained a lot about the sirens I'd been hearing all morning, and the general overabundance of cops on a lot of the downtown streets. The marshal was shocked when I told him I walked alone for two blocks to get to the interview. He assured me when I left, a deputy marshal would escort me back to my hotel. After we wrapped up with Sean's boss, he and I settled into his office, and I fired off my first of many questions, which was how did he end up being a Secret Service agent to begin with? I was expecting to hear a bit more patriotic answer, but turns out, Sean wasn't like all the other men and women who applied in the year 2000. I worked with a number of agents that actually had aspired to go to the Secret Service since their childhoods. There were two or three guys that actually committed to going to the Secret Service when they were children and they saw the assassination attempt of President Ronald Reagan. I wasn't one of those people. Sean was a Columbus, Ohio police officer and a Dallas police SWAT team member before applying to work for the Secret Service. When he decided to leave police work, he had a mentor tell him to apply to USS or the FBI if he wanted to make a decent living and still see action on the ground. So he applied to both agencies and the Secret Service was the first to call with a job offer. After graduating from the academy, he got right to work but he wasn't rubbing shoulders with the president quite yet. My first assignment was in the uh, Cincinnati field office in Cincinnati, Ohio. Sean worked mostly behind a desk, investigating the Secret Service's real bread and butter, counterfeit money cases. 
Even though the notoriety of the Secret Service is founded in protection of presidents, the agency itself in 1865 was created for the investigation of counterfeit notes. Back in those days, money wasn't issued by the United States government like it is today. It was actually issued by individual banks. So for example, let's say Bank of America, M&T Bank, they would issue their own money effectively and counterfeit, because of that, counterfeiting was rampant. Working the criminal cases, I anticipated that since it's financial crimes, that it would be kind of a, like a white collar, bank fraud, sophisticated type of criminal. For the most part, my experience was that they had white collar crime committed by blue collar criminals. So the drug dealers and some of the street level criminals would effectively diversify and try to print counterfeit money and steal credit cards and try to get fake bank loans and stuff like that on the side. So some of the same people that were trafficking drugs on the corner were also the same people that were trying to pass counterfeit notes. A lot of the time, those investigations were pretty run of the mill people manufacturing terribly made copies of U.S. currency, what's referred to as a Xerox job. I've been involved in investigations that related to teenagers and a inkjet printer. Xerox jobs are most common, but every now and then, Sean and his colleagues would stumble onto a case that was next level, at least as far as counterfeiting goes. There are counterfeit currency rings that are perpetrated by rogue nation states and organized drug trafficking type organizations that do it on a much larger scale. There are what is referred to in the agency as the super note. These are much more difficult counterfeit notes to detect. Those investigations are very high level. They impact the world economy in some regard. Super note. Just saying the term out loud feels, I don't know, heavy hitting. Essentially, a supernote is a nearly perfect counterfeit U.S. $100 bill that's been printed in such a way that it's identical to actual money. Business Insider magazine reported in 2017 that a supernote was found in a South Korean bank. Where it came from and just how many others like it were in circulation has never been determined. The United States Secret Service takes supernote cases extremely seriously for one very important reason, avoiding total economic collapse. Right now, United States currency circulates throughout the world. There are individual nations that use the United States dollar as their nation's currency. The ability for consumers and nations to have confidence in our nation's currency is paramount to the economic stabilization of the world. When you're talking about supernote cases, rogue states and well-organized, well-funded international drug trafficking organizations, those types of investigations can go on for years. And if you can imagine the amount of printing that would happen and circulated globally, it takes a long time to collect every single piece of paper that was generated from those investigations. As a matter of fact, in some cases, the prosecutions could have already taken place, yet there's still thousands of dollars of counterfeit notes that have yet to be recovered because they're sitting in a basement or a warehouse or in 
some kind of secure place that haven't made its way to circulation yet. To combat too many supernote cases from cropping up, the Secret Service relies on a variety of methods to deter counterfeiters, even the best of them. That comes down to making U.S. currency distinct. And to do that, you need determination and, for lack of a better word, master manipulators running the federal printing press. When it comes to learning a new language, which is something that's a passion of mine because, hey, I'm in the field of communication. I can't help but love language. But what I really want most is a software or a program that I can trust. I want to make sure that what I'm paying for, I'm actually going to be able to use in the real world. And that's why I love Rosetta Stone. It's the most trusted language learning program, and it's available on desktop or it can be used as an app on your phone or tablet. Rosetta Stone has been trusted for 30 years with millions of users, and there are 25 languages offered. 25. I'm currently brushing up on my French because I learned it pretty well a couple of years ago, but I've gotten away from it. And one of my favorite things about the app is that true accent feature where you get feedback on how well you're pronouncing words. And when it comes to a language like French, I obviously want to make sure I'm doing the accent right. So whether you're traveling abroad or trying to break down a communication barrier with a new friend, Rosetta Stone is something you should look into because you don't want to put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Dark Arena's listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com arenas. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash arenas. Do you want to set your child up for success? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids covering math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed to help them really understand and master topics in a fun way. Now, my little guy is still young, but I can already tell that integrating fun ways to learn is going to be a game changer for him. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid, no matter the age or personality. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. There's one site for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. Kids can even access IXL on the go through the app or your phone or tablet. No more trying to figure out how to explain math equations or grammar rules yourself. IXL has built-in explanation videos. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And Dark Arena's listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com arenas. Visit IXL.com arenas to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. The Bureau of Graving and Printing is the government agency that manufactures our money. And they do a remarkable job, frankly, in terms of adding security features, holograms, strips, to help not only subject matter experts, but regular people in identifying genuine currency from counterfeit. Anyone who's ever held a counterfeit piece of money can usually tell it's fake especially if it feels like computer paper. But for cases where counterfeiters go a step further and get much closer to the real thing, 
That's where Secret Service agents really get the chance to shine. One of the misnomers about Secret Service counterfeit investigations are that agents are experts in identifying counterfeit. That's not true. What agents are experts in is identifying legitimate currency. One of the ways agents are able to do that is by examining a bill's most important feature, its texture. The most difficult thing to be counterfeited is the paper that the notes are printed on. That paper is organically more like cloth. It's cotton, canvas, and, and, and other materials, making it fundamentally distinguishable from regular paper. This is why if you put a dollar bill accidentally through the washing machine, comes out just fine. I challenge you to do the same with a sheet of paper and see what you find at the end of it. The most memorable counterfeiting case Sean worked was near the end of his time assigned to the Cincinnati field office. I had a drug trafficker that we worked with, the DEA, that was a long-haul trucker. He was making runs, hauling all kinds of illicit stuff to include drugs and counterfeit from California into the greater Cincinnati, Ohio area. We became involved with the DEA on that case, and we actually got that defendant to flip and identify the source of the, the drugs that he was hauling, which was of interest to the DEA, and more importantly, the source of the counterfeit that he had, which was important to us. Stopping this suspect was important because the bogus currency he was carrying could have financially victimized a lot of banks, retailers, and the general public. It was of the hundreds of thousands. So whether you're actually making bad money or just hauling it cross country, the United States Secret Service isn't far behind you. At least that's what Sean says. It is a very difficult crime to do. It's a very difficult crime to do well. And that is simply because of the obstacles that have been placed in the path of would-be counterfeiters uh, by the U.S. government. After a few years of taking down tricky counterfeiters, Sean moved on from criminal investigations to a much more stressful role, protective detail. Anytime that the president or vice president travels, either nationally or internationally, there is a large footprint of manpower that goes to implement the security plans that are constructed around each of the visits. Sean explained that that footprint can be broken down into three rings of protection. First, there's the outer ring, which is made up of mostly federal, local, and state law enforcement partners. Now, these people ensure the presidential motorcade route is clear. The outer ring also sets up checkpoints, patrols the streets, and things like that. Second, there's the mid-layer ring. Now, that's made up of Secret Service agents and military personnel who check things like the integrity of a building, if access points are vulnerable, if emergency alarm systems can be tampered with, or if new construction is going to be a problem, et cetera, et cetera. The third ring, which is the inner ring, are the men and women who personally escort the president and the vice president. The inner perimeter is made up of the presidential, vice presidential shift agents. They are the ones that you see on the stage. They are the ones that you see working the rope line right next to the president around him. 
They are the ones that drive the vehicles that are in the motorcade, and they are the ones that are constantly with the protectees um, at all times. This inner ring of Secret Service agents is on high alert at all times, especially if the president or vice president are on the move and out in public. The basic requirement of this assignment goes something like this. Life or death. My protectee or me. End of story. The president, the vice president, that represents a very significant target. That represents a very significant goal for members of rogue states, terrorist organizations, criminal enterprises at taking a run at that type of figure. That is certainly the most important and prolific job function that the Secret Service does. And as such, because it gets so much scrutiny, world press, wherever they go, and that the, you know, the office of the president is the, in my opinion anyway, the, the highest threat target in the world. That inherently brings a level of danger, seen or unseen, because of that level of threat. Sean says the level of threat against the president or vice president at any given point in time is assessed to a fairly good extent. You just have to put the work in ahead of time to make sure that all bases are covered. For every site that the president or vice president goes, you have one person, one agent from the shift that's assigned as that responsibility of that site, overall site. The most important part of protection is the advance work, hands down. I know that that's not the things that movies are made about. That's not the exciting part of it. That's the more mundane checklist responsibilities that are had. But hands down, that's where protection is done, in the advanced stage. There's an old saying that we'd like to, to basically put the president in a ballistic glass case and wheel him around. Well, that's not possible. It doesn't make him relatable and it's, it's not reasonable. So we have to be able to make accommodations for the administration officials. The only way so much manpower can work like a well-oiled machine every time the president makes a move is through teamwork. Teamwork for protecting the president's sake and ensuring your colleagues go home to their families each day. We depended on the guy next to you to do their job. And in turn, you did yours. And when you were doing an advance, essentially what you were doing is you were not only protecting the president of the United States, but you were protecting your, your partner, your friend. What I found really interesting is that Sean says protective detail is completely politically neutral. Now, it's kind of a wild notion, considering politics is one of the most divisive subjects in America. But Sean honestly says when it comes down to protecting the president or vice president, whether or not agents personally like who won an election doesn't even factor into the equation as to whether they'll fulfill their duty or not. He remembers specifically during President Barack Obama's run for office and eventual win in 2008 that America was so divided politically and racially at that time. The Secret Service provided the Obamas with more security. They knew that protecting them was paramount. It's been a long time coming. But tonight, because of what we did on this day, in this election, at this defining moment, change has come to America. 
Here you have the first African-American president that in some small respect was, was a huge shift in the way that our, our nation grew. I know that a year before he became the nominee, we stood up a protective detail on him before that, and that was something that had not been previously done. There's not a margin of failure that you can have in that particular business. And it wasn't lost on us that the historical significance of having the first African-American president and the level of scrutiny that was upon us at that point to not just protect him and his family's lives, but also part of our responsibility is to protect, protect him from embarrassment. The Secret Service are sworn guardians for whomever the American people select as president or vice president, period. We shouldered this responsibility regardless of politics, regardless of anything else. We cared not for the political affiliation of our protectee. We did not. That didn't factor into anything whatsoever. We saw this as almost like a calling that the protection that we're gonna provide is a sacred duty, and we were going to accomplish it at all costs. And there's no position where the stakes and the costs are greater than behind the wheel of the vehicle that's transporting possibly the most precious cargo in the world. You're out in public, and frankly, when a protectee's in a motorcade and moving, they're the most vulnerable. One of the things that I did for 16, 18 months with the Secret Service is that I, I did the motorcade advances, and that has a lot of moving parts because you'll roll through intersections in different jurisdictions, and all of those external partners need to be brought in. So if you roll through the city, into the county, into another city, you know, into the state, you have to have all these players at the table, and you're going to need resources from all of them. During the time that Sean worked in the Secret Service's transportation division, he said he had a blast. A blast with a lot of pressure on him, but a blast nonetheless. He drove the armored limo for President Bush 43 and First Lady Laura Bush. The transportation division folks are not just your average drivers either. These men and women fly all over the world, never lose sight of the motorcade vehicles, and have to know every turn they're going to make in foreign countries well ahead of time. When you're talking about motorcade routes, particularly in cities that you've, in countries that you've never been to before, with streets that may not have signs on them, it was our responsibility to develop six motorcade routes from every site that the president was scheduled to visit. And you had to have intimate familiarity with the hard cars, the armored limousines themselves, that is something that we travel all over the world with those cars. When we would travel with them, we would also have to take with us a master mechanic because those cars are hand-built and you can't just take them to a regular GM dealership to have the kind of work. So we would have to actually travel with this guy and his significant robust set of tools for encountering any of the catastrophic events that you would have mechanically in order for the president to stay on schedule. When those vehicles arrive, they have to be stored in a secure location. You can't just leave them parked out in front of the hotel. They have to be posted. You have to have somebody with those cars 24 seven. They have to be out of the, the sunlight, out of public view. 
So there's a heavy footprint that comes with that position. Driving the limousines requires advanced experience as a driver. You have to be able to maneuver something that's meant to literally stop bullets and bombs. Particularly with those armored limousines, they do not drive like regular Hyundai sedans. The glass is sometimes difficult to see out of. The A-pillar was about, I don't know, two feet thick, so trying to see around turns and stuff like that was difficult. In addition to driving, you're also being watched by everyone, literally in the world. And if you slip up, the bad optics don't just reflect on you, they reflect directly on the office of the president and the American nation. Each of the agents took a lot of pride in driving the presidential limousine. The world's watching. If you stop the car in the wrong place and embarrass the president because you missed the red carpet and you know the press picks up on it, we take a lot of pride in not doing that. Aside from embarrassment, the greater concern, of course, for Secret Service agents is the motorcade being ambushed. And worst case scenario, your protectee is kidnapped or killed. That's DEFCON 5, nuclear outcome, total failure. Whatever you want to call it, it's bad. Sean found himself facing that potential scenario on foreign soil in 2007. I was doing a motorcade advance for First Lady Laura Bush. 2007, Mali, West Africa. We're conducting a, a visit there. The nation also had a concurrent visit from Muammar Gaddafi. His motorcade and his protective detail was taking up a lot of the limited resources that the government there had to offer. They were, I guess, distracted with Colonel Gaddafi. Sean thought, that's not the worst thing in the world. Dignitaries visit countries simultaneously all the time. It wasn't awesome that resources in Mali were slim, but for the most part, he felt the Secret Service could do their job to protect First Lady Laura Bush efficiently. That is, until he got some disturbing news. Hi, I'm Cindy Lauper. My scalp was covered with psoriasis. Felt like I was trapped between a rock and a hard place. Then I started Cosentix. Cosentix Secukinumab is prescribed for adults with moderate to severe black psoriasis, 300 milligram dose. Don't use if you're allergic to Cosentix. Before starting, get checked for TB. Serious allergic reactions, severe skin reactions that look like eczema, and an increased risk of infections, some fatal, have occurred. Cosentix may lower ability to fight infections, so tell your doctor if you have an infection or symptoms like fevers, sweats, chills, muscle aches, or cough, had a vaccine or plan to, or if IBD symptoms develop or worsen. Learn more at Cosentix.com or 1-844-COSENTIX. Cosentix works for me. Ask your doctor about Cosentix. Addie. Hey, did you know there's a little pink pill? Wait, a what? A little pink pill? Did you say a little pink pill? Yes, the little pink pill. You definitely need to know about this. Are you for real? Just to be clear, you're telling me there's a little pink pill? For me? That's right. The Little Pink Pill. And it's called Addy. A-D-D-Y-I. Or Flibanserin. Learn more about The Little Pink Pill at addyi.com. See full prescribing information and medication guide, including boxed warning regarding severe low blood pressure and fainting in certain settings at addy.com slash pi. Or call 844-PINK-PILL. Good news, ladies. There's more. Addy, the FDA-approved Little Pink Pill, is also affordable and can be shipped directly to your front door. That's right. With insurance coverage, Addy is only $20 per month and $0 after month three. 
If your insurance doesn't cover Addy, there is still a discount program to get you the best possible price and get free shipping right to your door. So now's the time to ask your doctor about Addy. Learn more at Addy.com. That's A-D-D-Y-I.com. The day of the visit, the lead advance comes to me. He looks very worried, which gave me a little bit of concern. And he expressed to me that they had received adverse intelligence and they were fairly confident that the legitimacy of the intelligence and they had received it in an unconventional manner. It couldn't specifically be shared with me, but what he was able to provide is that it seemed like there was a significant threat and the threat was at the airport and we have a problem. If you have an adverse threat, there's no trip. Why would you come? Well, I was told that the trip was happening anyway, and it was up to me to figure out how to be able to implement security for this event. The next few hours of Sean's life got very complicated and chaotic. He had to figure out how to protect the First Lady with little to no resources in the face of information telling him her life could be in serious danger. Thankfully, Sean thought quick and wrangled some American Special Forces squadrons who he learned were just randomly stationed in Mali that week. We had a couple of units of Green Berets that were able to supplement our security plan. In addition, I believe that I was successful at lobbying the Malaysian government to pull some of the resources away from Gaddafi and provide us additional protection along our motorcade routes at our airport and uh, different security concerns along the way. At the end of the day, we had a very successful visit. Our police and military partners did a remarkable job at securing our route. All's well that ends well, kind of. Remember the intelligence about a real threat? Turned out that was definitely real. After wheels up, when the first lady was going on to the next leg of her trip, there actually was an assassination attempt on the president of the Ivory Coast, which is located right next door to Mali, and it occurred at the airport. With a story like that, there's no doubt working for the Secret Service comes with intensity and excitement. You travel all over the world and get to do and see some amazing things. But Sean realized that the job has a shelf life. It has to. He says there's no way a person can fire on all cylinders like that for decades and decades. So he decided to retire in 2010, after 10 years of service in one of the most prolific decades of America's war on terror in world history. My wife didn't sign up for any of it, and neither did my two sons. It's too impactful and difficult of a job, too stressful to do that for an extended period of time. I spent six years doing protection for the president. I spent five years with uh, George W. Bush and one year with uh, President Obama. And I can tell you that that position goes with the office. And oftentimes that the needs of the White House are to travel the world. That can be quite taxing on a family. So that was actually one of the considerations that why I decided to leave the agency. 
I knew when I took that position that there was going to be travel involved. I knew that. There are trade-offs that come with the job Sean decided for him had to come to an end. I grew up in a single parent household. I didn't want my sons to continue to grow up in a single parent household. My older son's birthday coincided with the United Nations every year, and I never was at his birthday. And, you know, I spent many a Christmas and New Year's at the president's ranch in Waco. Again, it wasn't something that my family had signed up for, and I made the difficult decision to pick a life over a career. A life over a career. It's funny Sean put it that way, because in my mind, he's lived more of a life than probably most people. And not only that, he's likely saved a lot of lives during his time with the Secret Service. I couldn't stop thinking about that as we rode the elevator down to the federal courthouse lobby. Sean gave me a firm handshake when I left and made sure I got that protective escort back to my hotel. Sean followed through. He assessed a real threat that I could be in danger walking alone. And just like he'd done so many times before with presidents and first ladies, he made sure I had a protective detail, maybe with just a bit less fanfare. This episode of Dark Arenas was written and produced by Delia D'Ambra, with writing assistance from executive producer Ashley Flowers. You can find pictures and source material for this episode on our website, darkarenas.com. Dark Arenas is an Audio Chuck original show. So what do you think, Chuck? Do you approve? Hi, I'm Cindy Lauper. My scalp was covered with psoriasis. Felt like I was trapped between a rock and a hard place. Then I started Cosentix. Cosentix Secukinumab is prescribed for adults with moderate to severe black psoriasis 300 milligram dose. Don't use if you're allergic to Cosentix. Before starting, get checked for TB. Serious allergic reactions, severe skin reactions that look like eczema, and an increased risk of infections, some fatal, have occurred. Cosentix may lower ability to fight infections, so tell your doctor if you have an infection or symptoms like fevers, sweats, chills, muscle aches, or cough, had a vaccine or plan to, or if IBD symptoms develop or worsen. Learn more at Cosentix.com or 1-844-COSENTIX. Cosentix works for me. Ask your doctor about Cosentix. Addie. Hey, did you know there's a little pink pill? Wait, a what? A little pink pill? Did you say a little pink pill? Yes, the little pink pill. You definitely need to know about this. Are you for real? Just to be clear, you're telling me there's a little pink pill? For me? That's right. The Little Pink Pill. And it's called Addy. A-D-D-Y-I. Or Flavanserin. Learn more about The Little Pink Pill at addyi.com. See full prescribing information and medication guide, including boxed warning regarding severe low blood pressure and fainting in certain settings at addy.com slash pi. Or call 844-PINK-PILL. Good news, ladies. There's more. Addy, the FDA-approved Little Pink Pill, is also affordable and can be shipped directly to your front door. That's right. With insurance coverage, Addy is only $20 per month and $0 after month three. If your insurance doesn't cover Addy, there is still a discount program to get you the best possible price and get free shipping right to your door. So now's the time to ask your doctor about Addy. Learn more at Addy.com. That's A-D-D-Y-I.com. 